I want to invite you to think this morning about a question that is large and complicated and juicy. The question is, is knowing more always better? Or is knowing more just knowing more and maybe not better and maybe worse, maybe even destructive? This is all of our question. And it is all of our question right now because we are all living on the cusp of two revolutions that make this question all of our question. The DNA revolution and the digital revolution. And the marriage of these two revolutions, DNA and digital, Ancestry.com and your iPad means that for $100 or $49 if you get it on sale and a swab, you can know stuff that you never knew, facts that are new to you and that go vitally to your story and to the story of your parents and your grandparents and how it is that you even came to be on planet Earth. And the question I want to ask you to think about is, do you want to know this, or should you leave well enough alone? And it's a complicated question. So consider this story that ran in the Wall Street Journal recently, and since then, I have had any number of conversations with real people in and out of this congregation who have some resonance, some connection to this story. But this story tells of Julie and Freda, who are sisters growing up in a Jewish home in greater Boston. They're leading their own lives. They're minding their own business. And ping! Freda gets a ping, an email from a guy who says, I don't know you, you don't know me, but I think we're siblings, we're half-siblings. I don't know you, you don't know me, but we have the same father, according to our DNA. And Julie, the older sister, minding her business, living her life, ping! I don't know you, you don't know me. It's an older gentleman living out of state, but we share a lot of DNA through our father. Now what's interesting is that only Freda got the one ping and only Julie got the other ping. Why didn't both get a ping? What's going on? So they do their DNA sleuth work for $100 or $49 if it's on sale and a cotton swab. And here's what they learn. They learn that their parents, now both departed, had a challenged marriage. Both parents died with secrets 
important secrets. And now that they're gone, and the DNA and digital revolution are here, the secrets that they took with them to the grave are now known to their daughters, who are in their 60s and 50s. Here's what they learned. They learned that both of their parents cheated on one another, that both of their parents had dalliances. So the father cheated on the mother with the cosmopolitologist that he met at a jazz club. That resulted in the birth of a young man named Dana. And Dana called Freda and said, you know, uh, my mother is African-American. I grew up in an African-American community, went to an African-American school, and I was always teased for being the whitest person in my world. I was always called white boy. And I would say to my mother, Mom, who is my dad? Where is my father? And she would always say, don't worry about it. So I learned to stop asking. Now it turns out my father, Freda, is your father. And they did this, they pieced this together that they both worked near a jazz club. They met, had a dalliance, and Dana was born, the half-sibling of Freda. Julie does her own research and learns that their mother had a first love. The first love of her life was a man named High. And High is now alive and 89 and living in Florida. And Julie learns that their mother had a dalliance with High, the first love of her life, even though she was married. And that is how Julie came into the world. And then Julie and Freda realized that they are not sisters. They are half-sisters. They share the same mother, but they have different fathers. And they sobbed. Now, why do I tell you this story? What, of what concern is this story to you? We are on the cusp of a revolution. Three years ago, three million people did a DNA kit. Last year, 18 million people did a DNA kit. The experts expect that in the next few years, more than 100 million people will do a DNA kit. And that means that all of these people who do the DNA kit will learn stuff that they never knew, some of which may disconfirm some settled assumptions about their very existence. And the question is, how should we think about new facts, new information, new data, new learning, when it could disconfirm in a serious way. So, as always, the answer is found in our, in our Torah, and in our weekly Torah portion. We encounter the Urim Vitumim, which is this 
device of judgment, device of decision, an instrument of decision. The Kohen Gadol wears, wears it, carries it in a pouch called the Choshen Mishpat, the breastplate of decision. Inside of it is this Urim Vatumim, this instrument of decision. And according to the Torah and the commentators, he's allowed by this instrument to ascertain God's will on the very hard questions that humans can otherwise not answer. But there's a catch. It turns out it was never used. The Torah describes it, but never describes it as being used. And it's really used one time in the Tanakh and not effectively. The people go against it. So you have this Urim Vatumim that is really not used. And the question is, what is the moral of the story? Nachum Sarna suggests that the moral of the story is hidden in the very words Urim Vatumim. Or means light, like or. Tumim means wholeness, like Noah was Ishtam, a whole man. So I think this suggests is that the Urim Vatumim gives us the following prism about new facts, which is our light, or, should make us more whole, Tamim. That is to say, we want new facts when new facts are going to make our lives better when new facts will make our lives more whole. So point one of this sermon is, it's not about the $100, and it's not about the $49, and it's not about the cotton swab. If you choose to join the 100 million who are going to do a DNA test, realize that the real work begins once you get the results. That now you have relational work to do if what you learn is going to make your life better. So back to Freda and Julie, they had three pieces of important work that they now had to do for Urim Vatumim, for what was new and light to make their lives better. First, imagine this, both parents are gone. They can't talk to their parents anymore. And they learned that their parents had this troubled marriage. He cheated on her, she cheated on him. And now you're an adult child in your 60s or your 50s. What do you do with that? So it summons forth work. Number one, can you forgive the people you love the flaws of their humanity? Particularly when they can't fix it anymore because they're gone. Can they forgive their parents? Can they summon forth grace? I see now what I didn't see when you were alive, but I love you anyway, and really important for Julie and Freda, can you learn from the people that you love not only what to do, but what not to do? Can you learn from your mother, your father, who you love, who you forgive, what not to do? That important relational work is what they needed for Urim Vatumim, for their life to become whole. Second piece of relational work. Now Freda realizes in her mid-50s for the first time that she has a half-brother named Dana. What do you do with that? Now Dana was very jazzed about this because he otherwise had no other living family. He was an only child. His mother had passed. His father he never knew. 
He was alone in the world, like Elton John's description of Marilyn Monroe, like a candle in the wind, never knowing who to turn to when the rain set in. And now he has a sister. What do you do with that? Is there some statute of limitations for the creation of new, intense, deep relationships? Or can we always do that? Can we summon the energy to love deeply, whatever our age? And then there was a third piece of very serious relational work that Julie and Freda had to do. Namely this, they don't share the same father, biologically. The father who raised them died. Now Julie says, hey, wait a minute. I have a biological father. It's never too late. On Father's Day, she flies to meet High, her biological father. And she posts this on Facebook. I'm with my father on Father's Day. She's 62, he's 89. First Father's Day with my father. And Freda explodes. How dare you? How dare you? The man who raised you is dead. The man who had an affair with our mother. You're meeting and calling him father? How dare you? They have some work to do so that what is new and light will make them more whole and not incinerate their relationship. Now here's what I want to say to you on this question. You may be tempted to hear the story of Julie and Freda and their parents and say, it's a nice Wall Street Journal human interest piece. It's juicy, it's gossipy, but not me, not my family. It's not my mother, it's not my father, it's not my grandparents. I don't have that worry. Even if that's true, this is still your issue and here's why. The DNA and digital revolution uncovers not only relational news, but also medical news, biological news, genetical news. So just recently, a friend of mine shared the following, that she was prodded by somebody in her family, hey, do the DNA thing. Ugh, I don't want to do the DNA thing. Do the DNA thing. I don't want to do the DNA thing. You have to do the DNA thing. Why do I have to do the DNA thing? Because of the 1 in 40 BRCA thing. One in 40 Ashkenazi Jews are vulnerable to this BRCA gene that makes people predisposed to cancer. Fine, I'll do the DNA thing. She does the DNA thing and finds that she is one of the one in 40, that she has the BRCA gene, that she has this predisposition to cancer, and she finds out early enough that she can take direct action, she has surgery, she's on the other side of her surgery. She is, as much as we can ever know this, in the clear because of what she learned and how she handled it. So here's the thing. The DNA revolution and the digital revolution are new and the information that it makes available to us about who we are and where we came from is new. The Urim Vetumim is old, but we need the lens provided by the Urim Vetumim to process what is new. 
New facts are always going to be discovered, whether it's medical or relational. May we respond to these new facts with resilience and creativity, forgiving the people we need to forgive, talking to the people we need to talk to, strengthening the relationships we need to strengthen, and making the decisions we need to make to preserve our own health and strength and life. We have it within our power that the new truths we discover can make our lives better. After all, new facts are just that, new facts. It is what we do with these new facts that makes literally all the difference. Shabbat Shalom.